Today's TribCast is presented by Patient Access for a Healthy Texas. Working together for a healthy Texas. Learn more at patientaccess.com. Texas Talking Out. What was that that you said? Texas Talking Out. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas Talking Out. Tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Hello, this is Jesse Ancita, Mayor of the City of Taylor, home of world-famous Texas Barbecue. Let me know when you're done listening to this stuff, and I'll buy you a beef rib plate. Then we'll go grab a cold beverage at the Texas Beer Company in historic downtown Taylor. Enjoy this week's TripCast. And now, here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the second week of December. I'm joined by Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And D.C. Bureau Chief Abby Livingston. Hello. And political reporter Patrick Svitek. Good afternoon. Who just can't wait for more Texans to be appointed We're to the cabinet. Excited, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. I, we already have questions rolling in on Facebook, and we've only been looking at each other for like 30 seconds. <laughs> hashtag Trump elevator or anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, let's um, let's kick off by talking about... Rick Perry joining the cabinet. It's official now. Uh, what do we know? What's the latest? Um, he is the designated energy secretary. Uh, has to be confirmed by the Senate, obviously. But Trump made the appointment official this morning. Um, there were reports that he was the pick, uh, I think, on Monday night they started uh, surfacing. And uh, obviously, there is a lot of commentary on the fact that Rick Perry wanted to get rid of the energy department when he was running for president in 2011. Can we do a dramatic, inter- yeah. a dramatic interpretation <laughs> you, of what you happened? You were there, right? Am I, I remembering was there. this right? It was one of the worst moments. And I mean, every, everybody, before they started writing gleefully, was had a moment of horror or something? Oh, I mean, I had ult- the ultimate empathy pangs. It was miserable. It was just this moment where, you know, obviously he said he couldn't remember the third agency that he wanted to effectively delete, and it was the Department of Energy, but he forgot it. Ron Paul tried to help him. He eventually said, oops. And then every journalist in at the debate basically came up to me and the other Texas reporters and said, What's wrong with you people from Texas? Did you, it was, they blame the whole state. Yeah, huh? I wanted to Great. climb under the it's table. A tough moment for Texas. And and I was in Washington covering national politics with a much less Texas angle, and so I've been a little removed from Perry, and I've learned about him over the last two years in this job, and it was startling to me because I'm now more in the Texas bubble. Just how, even though I've seen this other side of him that did run the state for 14 years that the National Press Corps had not moved on. And the mockery was just, I was startled with the mockery on Twitter. But that said, he the statements coming out from people who matter, Corn and Cruz, who will confirm him, they're glowing. And I, right. I see very little evidence that he is going to have a lot of trouble in confirmation. Yeah, I don't think he'll have much trouble at all. But I do think it's pretty remarkable that he's like the cat that had nine, has nine lives. I mean, I was going to say to go straight from reality television to <laughs> the cabinet is a big leap. However, no longer. Um, so what is the Department of Energy like? What is this job actually in? tail for Perry? And is it as much, you know, typical energy as we think in Texas, or is it uh, a whole lot bigger? The previous or the outgoing Secretary of Energy is, he has, he's a PhD in physics or nuclear science or something, but he was a key 
player in the Iran deal. And so he was the expert on nuclear arms. And so he was actually one of the top salesmen of the Obama policy on that. And so it's it's an interesting change. And there's been some, uh, again, mockery of Perry that uh, you know, the previous Obama appointees were PhDs and then Rick Perry is not. Well, um, veter- veterinary science, right? Agricultural husbandry. Husbandry, even better. One, a question from uh, from Twitter regarding Perry. What actual nuclear credentials does he have that makes him a sup- suitable choice for this gig? Well, you know, he doesn't have nuclear credentials. I mean, that's the, you know, the... Does he have nuclear credentials? Nuclear, yeah. This is the, the first thing you have to learn is, you know, the Texans have to learn how to say nuclear. Um, George Bush got through eight years of the presidency without learning that. Um, so you could probably be energy secretary. Um, you know, he's he's got three touches on this, and they're, you know, given the scope of this job, they're relatively light. There's two nuclear plants in the state. There's a large um, low-level hazardous waste, low-level radioactive hazardous waste facility in West Texas. So this is, these issues have arisen from time to time. Uh, Perry's biggest, you know, folder in this portfolio is probably renewable energy, where Texas has been a leader on wind and, wind, and solar. Right. Um, it has surprisingly little to do. It has something to do with oil and gas, but surprisingly little. You know, when you that first might say, actually be his have been his forte. Well, when you say right, so when you say energy and you say t- Texas, you're talking about oil and gas, and largely he's you know going to yeah. be dealing with other issues. And a lot of those statements coming out today are very selectively focusing on his oil and gas experience for obvious reasons. They're saying you know Texas, you know, is, is such a robust state when it comes to oil and gas. And so, of course, Rick Perry must be qualified for this. And I think there's no doubt that he meets a threshold for this job. But, you know, it's obviously a little unclear what he brings to the nuclear side of of the job. I mean, how much does this role play any, you know, position in the climate change debate? I mean, obviously, we've seen these stories. There were stories yesterday about the Trump administration trying to find the names of, you know, the climate science folks. Uh, I mean, what what does it mean with Perry at the helm of of energy? You know, I think the the group of people Trump is putting together, you know, tell you where this administration is on those issues. You know, they're much more focused on fossil fuels and traditional forms of energy than on new forms of energy. There are a bunch of, um, you know, um, climate warming deniers and doubters among them. And, um, you know, as a as a group of people coming forward, you know, from, you know, the Secretary of State from Exxon and um, Perry, the uh, Oklahoma Attorney General, um, all of these guys are on one side of that issue. I think it's telling you something about where this administration's gonna be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody should be surprised that a Republican president or Republican candidate won the presidential election and there's right. gonna be climate change skepticism in his yeah, well, administration. Yeah, a little spooky, <laughs> the sort of trying to, you know, out these people. Sure. I mean, so, you know, if, again, I, I think what's fascinating about Rick Perry is he's said so many things that are so anti-Washington, so anti-Congress, and so anti-Trump. Mm. Uh, you know, if he basically said in, in a previous campaign that he wanted to delete the Department of Energy. Yeah. Does he go to Washington in this new job and start dismantling the agency? I mean, you know, what, no. do, what do you do if you <laughs> what do you do if you said that would yeah. be interesting? Wouldn't yeah. it? You know, we yeah. had a we had a state treasury at one time, and um, people ran for office. Martha Whitehead was the last one who ran for office, saying, "I'm going to eliminate the office of the state treasury." 
and actually got conservative Republicans arguing against taking that job away. It was interesting. Right. Um, yeah. It would be interesting to close a federal agency. It was, yeah, it was funny when these reports surfaced, the Club for Growth, a conservative mm-hmm. group, put out a statement kind of trolling Perry or just kind of trolling people in general, right. saying we actually support Rick Perry for the Department of Energy because we want him to go there and make good on his promise to get rid of to it. To dismantle <laughs> it, right, exactly. Well, and just culturally, it's going to be interesting to have him in Washington because it's been, besides Ted Cruz, a relatively quiet delegation just when it comes to being on the scene. And I mean, this is going to kind of harken back to the days of the George W. Bush administration. Just he's going to be appearing at events and, you know, ceremonies and things. And so it'll be interesting from an observing point of view to see Perry and his larger than life persona in this in the city. Will he sell the house in Round Top? Nah. I bet they don't. I mean, I bet they go back and forth. Yeah. If they're going to be, a, you're right though. There are going to be a lot of Lucases and Tony Lamas up in Washington. Well, and one other thing about him, I, I'm intrigued with how the hearings are going to go because uh, they will not be easy. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are on the Senate Energy Committee, um, but I think it might be a place. What I noticed in his presidential campaign was. As much as he was running for president, it was also like he was looking for respect on his second time around. And he would go into a pizza ranch in Iowa and talk about the culture and fine arts of Texas. And he's so desperate for people to understand that he was more than the Ope's moment. And so this Mm -hmm. hearing, he's going to get interrogated. He'll probably fly through. But it's it's a moment for him to maybe reestablish himself as not Ope's. He's going to have to do some more debate prep. There think, will be harder boards. Out, yeah. I think he's going to turn out to be one of the least controversial appointees in oh, this administration. And, and, you know, I think relatively speaking, he'll certainly sail through. Um, you know, and the, the other thing I would say, you know, whether they close energy or not, Perry going to Washington and Trump going to Washington are kind of the same things. Like, we're tired of those people send some of these people. And, you know, we'll see if they um, if they go native or if they stay renegade while when they get up there. But if you basically say, I mean, how are you taken seriously if you say Washington's a cesspool? If you say the president elect is a cancer on conservatism? I mean, how is it okay? I, this I know this is a, everyone's <laughs> que- you know the fundamental right. question. But how is it okay to say one thing and then just like and say a horrible thing? And then just act like poof, it didn't matter. Well, a few you short know, weeks you've later. seen Perry do this before. You know, to to former opponents to say, well, that was just politics, right? You know, um, and I think he wrote a whole do. he wrote a whole book fed up about you know how much Washington sucks. I don't think he's not going to be fed up with the federal government. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this worked pretty well for Ronald Reagan. So you know, there's a there's a path to success here. But I think as far as like you know dissing the Trump administration. I think they'll just say, well, that was in the heat of a campaign. He's already said that, hasn't right. he? And he's one yeah. of many. Yeah. He's not an outlier. It's right. the entire Republican establishment has had to do that. And uh, I mean, I was stunned the night uh, after Trump secured the nomination and Perry was the first to turn so fast. I, I couldn't believe it. But he turned and he was on the trail for Trump within days. I mean, last question about Perry, and then we'll move on. What does Perry, you know, does he, you know, where does he go sort of from here? I mean, is this a, a launching pad for something else? I don't think so. I think, as Abby maybe suggested, he's been looking, maybe not intensely, but you know, over the past few years, he's been looking for a way to end his career in public service on a dignified note mm-hmm. in some ways, um, You know, always trying to get over being the oops guy. And so maybe he views this as, you know, even if it doesn't last that long, maybe mm-hmm. you know, he's only there for six months and you know, whatever, but he's probably looking for that, that dignified punctuation mark on a, a lifetime, I think, in public service. Like Jeb exclamation I, yeah. point. I, I don't think he's looking for a punctuation mark. I think he's looking for, 
you know, he wants to stay in this business. It's clear he wants to stay in this business. He Probably ran for president a second top. time. I mean, he ran for president a second time. He was very careful. You know, we were all trying to do, everybody in the press was trying to do political obituaries about him after the second run was over. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, sloughing those off. They clearly had in mind, you know, staying in the game somehow. I think he's just staying in the game right mm-hmm. now. And his next move is going to be like his previous moves up to now, uh, spelled out by whatever opportunities, mm-hmm. you know present themselves the, right. the dancing in the stars casting it just struck me as he doesn't like sitting at home he just wants to be no i think anywhere. he gets bored really easily better to be anywhere but home <laughs> sorry anita <laughs> <laughs> she, she might she might endorse yeah it. <laughs> i was gonna say yeah right she's probably thrilled uh all right well a, a more controversial texan pick frankly is uh, is rex tillerson our new secretary of state um talk a little bit about about his background and why it's so controversial right now particularly in light of all this sort of uh this russian hacking business yeah well he's been the ceo chief executive of exxon mobile which is based in irving since i think 2006 and obviously as, as part of you know helming a, a large oil and gas company he's done a lot of business with russia another oil rich company and Country. he's cultivated Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a company. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. Exactly. laughs> um, and, you know, the process has apparently cultivated a very close relationship with Vladimir Putin, who's been, uh, you know, Russia and Putin have been a very controversial force in the presidential race, whether it's Trump kind of being unusually friendly toward them, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the reports of uh, Russian hacking in an attempt to boost Trump. And so I think, you know, he's going to be scrutinized in these Senate confirmation hearings for his ties to Russia. Um, you know, I think a lot of uh, senators want to hear more. I don't think there's, there isn't any immediate opposition, but there have been some signs of unease. I'm sure Abby's been following this a little more closely than I have. And yeah, I so, mean, what do you think is going to happen in his confirmation here? Are, are there Republicans who are particularly uneasy about this? Yes. Lindsey Graham, John McCain, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, John McCain of Arizona, and Marco Rubio of Florida has expressed some um, concerns. Uh, John McCain is the maverick, um, and these are neocons who generationally have just been very uh, averse to Russia. And um, it, it is hard to underscore how this hack has roiled the nation's capital. And it's mostly in the Democratic Party. And Republicans, in some forms, have taken advantage of it and used some of this information in uh, federal races. But Marco Rubio was one of the people who said, hang on, this could happen to us. And so those are the voices. There, There is some concern that uh, anything with Russia has a taint on it. And um, there, there are a lot of Fears. Um, I wouldn't say it's pervasive in the Republican Party, but with such a narrow majority right now, I think all that they need to hold up on nominations three. So uh, those votes could be there. And Ted Cruz, he he issued a measured statement, and it certainly was not as positive as uh, the the Perry one this morning. Right. I mean, it seemed like you know I want I need to get my facts straight first. Basically, was the takeaway I took from it. Yeah, he's in trouble in some ways for the things that qualify him for the job in the first place. Right. You know, all of the things that say, well, you know, he's he's been an oil company executive. You know, what does he know about international affairs and diplomacy? And the answer is all of these kinds of things, all of these oil deals all over the world for all of these years, um, you know, take you all the way from, I guess, you know, Huntsville High School in Texas to, you know, the top of Exxon. Mm -hmm. And then raise questions about, you know, everything Exxon has done, every deal Exxon has had. Is that a conflict with what he would be doing as Secretary of State? I think they're going to boil down to, you know, the bigger conflict here as they go forward is going to be... Are you acting for the government or for the company? You know, right. and it's going to be it's going to be that sort of built-in. Well, I, I think that he's going to have to answer that question. And, right. But yeah. he's he's got really you know some interesting endorsements. You know, Robert Gates, Condoleezza Rice, Jim Baker, 
Um, a lot of, you know, fairly stout, you know, I mean, they're oil-oriented oil oriented Republicans, right. but they're still, you know, respected people in this business. They've been in these jobs. Um, I think he'll probably get this thing, but I think it's going to be yeah. bumpy. And the Trump transition team, or Trump and his team, don't appear to be backing down. There were, appeared to be some trial balloons last week on this. All the criticism, you know, flared up pretty quickly, and they just forged. They went right ahead with it and announced, made it official this week. And it seems like this is one of those appointments where they're going to be willing to spend some serious political capital if it comes that, to that. Like, why wasn't he the energy pick? I mean, like, unless you really— Because it's not oil and gas. Because it's not oil and gas. But then right. why was Rick Perry yeah. the energy well. pick? Right. Well, <laughs> you're looking for too much reason. Yeah. In this, <laughs> right, uh... I know. <laughs> why wasn't Kanye West yeah, exactly. the energy the pick? The big four on the cabinet are, you know, really, really important picks. And this mm. is, you know, this is one of the real plums. You know, this and AG and Treasury and— um, I'm going to go oops. Oops, yeah. Um, right. Defense are, are the, the big four appointments. Mm. And, you know— to some extent, the people appointed to those are the that's the first tier of an administration. And Trump what, clearly wanted this guy. One other thing was I arrived to Washington in 2006, and that was, to my knowledge, the first real skepticism Republicans showed toward their president, George W. Bush, at the time. It, he'd had a pretty good run of total dominance over the legislative branch. I was really surprised to see this kind of pushback even before Trump is sworn in. So it, I thought this would take years for any sort of um, questioning of the president's uh Decisions and so this this has startled me to a certain extent. And we haven't had a bus since Tower, isn't that right? Yeah. Didn't Tower the last cabinet secretary to get voted yeah, down? Yeah, I believe so. There have yeah. been others that have like abandoned yeah. it in the lead up to the pro to the right. hearings, but yeah. I think Tower's Tuck, last Tuck one actually. Run, they usually right? pull out yeah before the. Uh, a question from Harrison: Any specifics on what ties Tillerson has to the Kremlin? I mean, do we know specifically? Yeah, I mean, they, they've done business together. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been in the presence of Vladimir Putin. I mean, there's, I think there's video of them drinking champagne together or some kind of Not alcoholic. vodka? Some kind of alcoholic beverage uh, he received it's in the 2013. Kremlin, um, the, Tequila the, shots or something. Yeah, the order of friendship <laughs> right. distinction from uh, Russia. And so, um, you know, I mean, most of the reports have described him as one of the few Americans who is actually close to uh, the Kremlin or, or Putin. Man, if you're a conspiracy theorist... Well, if you're a conspiracy theorist, this is, you know, rich territory. And yeah. Thankfully, there are no conspiracy theorists in right. our incoming <laughs> administration. <laughs> I thought you were going to say on the Texas Trivia. we're staff. all done with that. That's exactly right. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, a reminder, if you're tuning in on Facebook, you can send questions our way. Um, in the meantime, let's shift to mm -hmm. talking about uh, Greg Abbott. And he had a sit-down with some reporters this week. Patrick was among those reporters. Um Let's start by talking about him sort of broadly. You know, did he lay out his own personal legislative priorities? Did he give a sense of what he, he did not? I imagine those yeah. won't come until a state of the state address, mm -hmm. um, like it's, it's it's played out in the past. He did provide four very, you know, broad principles that he's considering as legislation mm -hmm. comes to his desk. I'm going to forget them. I think it was like freedom, security. Never give um, a, never yeah. read a list. Good stuff, good education stuff, good education stuff. and economic opportunity. Educational good advancement, work. economic opportunity. Look how proud he is. He got yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, this was a, a roundtable with reporters geared toward answering our questions that, about some of these issues that are coming up ahead of the next session. I think one of the big themes, uh, Brandy Grissom had a good story kind of sketching this out, was that on a lot of these issues, he said it's going to depend on 
what the new presidential administration does mm-hmm. on issues like border security, on this potential uh, anticipated bathroom bill, and even on some of the, the budgetary issues. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he's waiting to see what action is going to come out of Washington, because that could factor into the legislative debates that we have here in, in Austin. On some of these issues, that's a credible explanation, in my view, mm-hmm. on border security, for example. That's obviously oh, oh. a Trump priority. Right. I mean, if be... the feds put the money there, then Texas sure. doesn't need to spend 800 you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. But then on something like the bathroom bill, for example, you know, I don't think Trump, you know, as we've discussed on this pod, on this uh, on Tripcast before, I don't think Trump really cares at all about that issue. And I don't right. think, you know, for example, tr- one of Trump's big priorities going to office is to, to roll back this Obama guidance that at least some Texas Republicans believe was the uh, impetus. an impetus for um, this bathroom bill push. Right. And so interesting to see Abbott kind of navigate um, these hot button issues and also um, the new you know, administration in Washington. I mean, Dan Patrick has officially sort of taken a stand on this. What what has Abbott, did Abbott say anything sort of specific or did he just say this is sort of a wait and see? On the bathroom bill? On the bathroom bill in particular. This is the transgender bathroom. Yeah, definitely a very wait and see attitude. He said he hasn't seen any proposed legislation yet. He said that right now there appear to be more unknowns than knowns about the legislation. He said that- Well, uh, Rumsfeld going on. What does that that even, yeah, well, right. Other than that, (laughs) what does that even mean? Well, he said some of the unknowns are, like I said earlier, how this Obama guidance is going to be implemented or not implemented under the Trump administration. He said he's also reviewing whether we already have any laws on the books in Texas that could um, be put to use in, in tackling this issue. He did acknowledge that, I think he said, you know, many Texans are concerned about this issue. And it, he did say it's a, an issue that deserves attention, but he did not at all give his, you know, a strong endorsement to a legislative push on the issue right now. He's basically said more information is needed. We're in the information gathering stage. Um, so again, I mean, this is this is kind of, you know, very characteristic for Abbott. Right. I mean, the question is who he's hearing from. You know, we know that folks like uh, Jerry Jones and, you know, we know that some the the stadium operators and owners and the the football team owners are uh, perplexed over this. And I asked him about some of those concerns from the business community. He did not really provide a direct answer Mm -hmm. at all and just went back to um, one of the the original talking points about uh, safety in Texas. It's politically treacherous. I mean, you know, we talked about before he's between the Republicans are between voters and businesses. That's exactly where they don't want to be. Right. I mean, meanwhile, an incoming state senator, Don Buckingham, uh, gave some remarks this past week that seemed to, you know, shed a little light maybe on where Dan Patrick wanted to be headed with this legislation. You know, what what was the indication she gave and was she speaking out of school? Yes, she was speaking (laughs) out of school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, the reason it got so much attention from us and from from other outlets is because there's this this legislation, this emerging legislation is so closely watched right now. Everyone wants to know what the language is going to be, especially people in the business community. And so what Buckingham said, as I understand it, or as I interpreted it at least, was that that this legislation was going to be tailored to affect only schools Mm -hmm. and perhaps businesses and sporting venues would be exempt in some way. Obviously, in practice, I, I, you know, I, we have no idea what this looks like. The problem with that is that's the same way the North Carolina law reads that uh, prompted the NCAA and some other associations like that and a couple of businesses to pull out of North Carolina. And Bruce Springsteen. And Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Don't forget about Bruce. And and their objection, frankly, it wasn't that in North Carolina they were worried it was going to affect their particular stadiums or arenas or their businesses. They thought it was going to reflect poorly on the state in general, which is why And they thought it was, you know, they labeled it as discriminatory and said that on behalf of their employees or their members, depending on which kind of group Mm -hmm. it was, or their band, they were um, legendary band. <laughs> Absolutely, Eastern e- legendary. That they were going to pull out of North Carolina. I don't think you know if the if what Buckingham was talking about was supposed to be a compromise that makes business happy. 
there's evidence on the table that that doesn't make business happen. Right. Um, question from Glenna on Facebook. Uh, what did Abbott say, if anything, to y'all uh, about education? Yeah, the things that stood out about education, um, you know, he again reiterated that he views, you know, fixing the school finance system as a priority. Um, uh, he was asked whether he believed that both doing that and accomplishing school choice are both doable this session. He said, yes, we can definitely chalk, uh, talk and chew gum at the same time. Chalk is a yeah. good education <laughs> word. Chalk and chew yeah. gum, right? <laughs> and that's relevant because the lieutenant governor um, you know, has had some remarks seeming to emphasize school choice over school finance or potentially uh, linking the two. I know Evan had a conversation with him where that was. Well, he, you know, he thinks topic. those are legitimately paired. The, yeah. you know, the, the, those, those things go hand in hand. Right. Uh, all right. Well, I want to touch quickly on an important Texas topic, and that is um, melted cheese. This is an outrage. It is an outrage. Let's talk about queso. Abby, tell us what happened in your city and how screwed up it was. It, it was a staggering moment for the United States Senate, at least. The, I thought the, you were just going to say for the United States, no. and I was going to agree. Yeah, the, well, I'm that nodding, too, nodding, but the, the, the GOP co conference. Um, so a few weeks ago, uh, Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas basically made a statement on Twitter along the lines of that cheese dip is better than queso, and John Cornyn and Cruz engaged. And so it became this um, – it is not unusual at the Capitol to have food bets and contests and things like that. It's a great way to get Right. My barbecue is better than your barbecue. Whatever. Or my baseball team is playing your baseball team in the playoffs and that sort of thing. And so uh, – but this was actually – the contest was the food itself. And so every week the senators meet uh, on each side. And uh, the Republicans had their lunch on, I guess, last Wednesday. And it was a blind test. Uh, they They tried cheese dip and – queso and the queso How came from a blind test there was there were boxes there was like a, a bowl of cheese on each side and then each senator got to vote for to, one or two what's the what is cheese dip I, some I, kind of goop they, they like in i still don't quite understand it but you put it on ritz crackers instead of tortilla chips and uh the republican senators up. voted on it and uh i was stunned later that day to learn that uh cheese dip of Arkansas defeated Uncle Julio's of Dallas queso. So it I mean, was, uh, Ted Cruz was like pretty worked up. I mean, he gave a very authoritative statement. It was explicit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not work, in my opinion. Right. Quite <laughs> grasp it until five minutes ago. Um, but they were very, it, w it was quite a scene outside the Mike Mansfield room in the, in the U.S. Capitol. And uh, John Cornyn was right there with Cruz, and so it was it was kind of a, a moment of them really on the same page that I hadn't seen uh, since I started this job. So, uh, and and Arkansas won. And, and Cornyn later uh, said that per, that the the queso was cold. I know this this was yeah, some this breaking is, this news. This is where the outrage. Right. This is really where yeah. the outrage I, I mean, is. It's like, I mean, I you know, frankly, I don't know that you can even beat cold queso unless you're just talking about a block of Elvita, but. It, it, it had been sitting out there for a while. We were waiting on a long time for the senators to come out. So I don't. I, I, maybe it was circumstantial. I don't know. But it, it was. It was quite a scene. If the queso was cold, all bets are off. I mean, this seems like it was not a fair, right? Matchup. 
Find a find somebody from Arkansas with a can of ice cubes. And and Cornyn also beforehand did have concerns that the queso was going to be too spicy for the palates of Washington. So Screw I, I, I think this is all just evidence of how necessary a Washington bureau Listen, chief is. If I'm, yeah. if I'm yes. Cruz, I'm very worried that this discussion right now is going to end up in an ad in 2018. No wonder Congress can't pass a budget. They can't even get the, queso they out can't of even get queso, cheese right. dip. Good lord. Yeah. Well, I did. I do think it's interesting though. It was pretty hilarious to see how serious the statements appeared to be around <laughs> around this. So. All right. Um, last thing I want to talk about for a couple minutes, and that is um, we've had the battle over queso. Now we have the battle over Christmas. Uh, we had <laughs> Ken Paxton weighing in this week on a, an issue. At, uh, I believe it was Colleen ISD. Uh, uh, anyone know the details here? Peanuts. I don't entirely know all the details. Oh, well, good thing I'm here. <laughs> I saw the pic. I saw the picture. I didn't read the story. <laughs> Great thing I'm here. <laughs> I just looked uh, at the picture. So uh, basically, uh, it, um, it was either a middle middle school teacher or someone put up in this Colleen school um, mm-hmm. a sort of Linus, you know, Christmas thing from Peanuts. Peanuts. Christmas, right? Yeah, Christmas. Uh, but the school forced her to take it down, saying, you know, it, it waited too much into sort of choosing a religion, effectively. And and Paxton, it, you know, this has become a seasonal affair really Texas lawmakers or elected officials weighing in to try to protect Christmas in a particular um, in a particular place. Bobby Blanchard on our staff had a piece this morning about seven, you know, seven different cases in recent years where Texas had taken on the war over Christmas. But Paxton, of course, has weighed in in this particular case, too. So uh, what else is new? This happens every season. Yeah, it's you know, this has gotten to be um, go out and gather voters for your holidays uh, every year, you know, um, I mean, is that th- these are are they politically motivated? Are they? I mean, sure, they are. Of course, they are. The first half you know, of I don't me know is if the like, teacher did it. Really, you're going to take peanuts motiv- down? Yeah, and, it's, you, know, you know, or you um, can't have red and green anything in the elementary school. I mean, these they get sort of nuttier and nuttier right. every year. Right. Peanuts. Haha. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to follow that. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> I, you know, it's, um, I, you know, whether you think it's a legitimate argument or not, the. Politicians have belabored this for years, and, you know, the laws are pretty clear on what you can and can't do. You can't do overtly religious things. It depends on, you know, I didn't see the Colleen exhibit, but it depends on exactly what they were doing. If it was, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, that's one thing. If it was Linus reading from the Bible as he does in that It was that Linus thing, reading from the Bible. Well, that's overtly religious. That's a straight-up deal. And, you know, you do have free speech, and you also have protected speech and protected non-speech. And, you know, the laws are clear on this. And so are the politics, but they don't necessarily line up. Right. All right. Well, you'll get to hear from us again once uh, before Christmas or whatever holiday you choose to celebrate. Actually, Hanukkah starts on Christmas Eve this year. Wow. So our ho- it will be a robust holiday at our house. It's like party time at the Rolling I know. House. I know. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. And on behalf of Patrick, Ross, Abby, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking, baby. Texas talking, baby. Um, what do you guys think? Should we have a tripcast? Let's do it. Sure. Let's we can do that. Rock and roll.